Hey y'all, and welcome to Oh Say Can You See, a podcast where I hurt everybody's feelings, including my own. Just kidding. Well, kind of. I'm about to tell you about why I refuse to spend my own money at Chipotle. Well, that's also a little bit of a lie. I've been there twice in my life, but once was because I got a gift card and I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings by letting it go to waste. So technically, I didn't even spend my own money there. My fiancé, Bear, loves Chipotle. I preach to him about how it's a company founded by the devil serving literally lies to the uninformed masses, but he swears up and down they have the best burrito bowls in town. We fiercely disagree on this point. That's the second time that I spent my hard-earned dollars at a business that makes their money selling falsehoods and taking a dump on the very industry that makes their business possible. While Bear was working in South Carolina, I went to visit him, and I took him to a Chipotle to prove a point that Taco Mama and Moe's are way better than Chipotle anyways, and how come he wants to support a business that I can hardly stand? Well, anyways, I've been honest with you about how even though I vehemently preach against it, I've eaten a couple of meals at Chipotle, and it's not even that good. I'm sorry, I know I said that I would keep this unbiased. Let's talk facts. Chipotle was started in 1993 in Denver, Colorado by Steve Ells. Ells claims his goal in opening the burrito restaurant was to eventually open a fine dining restaurant, but the success of Chipotle led him to focus on his burritos. When I say success, this is what I mean. Ells opened the restaurant with a small loan of $85,000 from his father. The two of them calculated that the restaurant would need to sell 107 burritos a day to remain profitable, but within the first month, he was selling around 1,000 burritos a day. Ells knew he had himself a winner. When you experience this kind of success, you attract interest, which often turns into investors. This, my dear listeners, is where our first controversy comes in. McDonald's made their first minority investment into the company in 1998. No big deal. Good for Mr. Ells for rising and grinding and getting investments. By 2001, McDonald's owned a 90% share in the company. From 1998 until 2006, McDonald's ran Chipotle. The Chipotle you know and love was a glorified McDonald's burritos chain. All the while, they ran campaigns about their unique company branding and being a step above fast food chains. Now, I don't want to leave any facts out. In 2006, McDonald's divested, meaning they pulled out of their investment in the chain and are no longer involved in the day-to-day operations of the restaurant. This comes from the balance smb.com. One of the major issues that I have with Chipotle comes in the form of their commercial titled The Scarecrow. The ad was released in 2013, the year before I graduated high school, and caused the hearts of millions of Americans to stir. It features an adorable little st- scarecrow and plays Fiona Apple's cover of Pure Imagination from the Willy Wonka movie in the background. That's where the charm ends. The Scarecrow works at a miserable farm that hates animals corporation, where they pump the animals full of chemicals to make them fat and miserable. Scarecrow frowns a lot. Fiona Apple sings a song that should be happy in a voice that is very much not happy. The Scarecrow goes home to his lovely little cottage and tends to his happy little garden, and he stops frowning. He feels so inspired to start his own little company, and he only uses happy animals and happy vegetables, and he will not support corporate farms, thank you very much. The sun shines again. Why is that problematic? Why can't Chipotle create a national ad campaign promoting using local produce and animals treated well and all that jazz? Well, 
because the ad promotes a false view of the American agricultural industry and leads you to falsely believe that Chipotle only uses locally sourced produce. We source from farms rather than factories, Chipotle's website openly boasts. Sounds wonderful, except for the fact that it's a blatant lie. OSI Group, a global corporation for value-added proteins, a fancy term that means that they make chicken into chicken nuggets and beef into hamburgers, seasoned ground beef and steaks, etc., 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 provides Chipotle with pre-cooked meat, beans, and bases for their salsa. Who else sources their proteins from OSI? You guessed it, McDonald's. The current CEO of Chipotle claims that everything else is prepared in the restaurant, but the definition of prepared in the restaurant is pretty cloudy. Chipotle also insists that the animals they use for their meats must be raised by farmers who meet certain standards. The three basic elements to these standards are that the animals must not receive additional hormones, antibiotics, and have to be raised humanely. As of the date I'm recording this, Chipotle's website claims they also have a minimum space requirement for livestock to be raised in, but I have yet to find where that minimum space requirement is listed. To be honest, nobody has been able to find and determine what the company defines as raised humanely. A BuzzFeed journalist requested a more specific outline of what all their standards entailed, but received a very confusing response. We struggle with getting people to understand the most basic elements, and adding details really runs the risk of muddying that understanding any further, a representative of the company stated. In a company that prides itself in honesty to their consumers, after all, they do post in their restaurants when they serve conventionally raised livestock, which means they may have received hormones or antibiotics. It seems strange that they would withhold information about how they define humane treatment. The company also likes to claim locally raised animals are used in their restaurants, stating that they prefer for the meat to have traveled 350 miles or less to get to the restaurant. However, in 2014, Steve Ells announced that they will begin importing grass-fed beef from Australia. Y'all, we're going to have to have a whole nother episode about how grass-fed beef isn't all that it's cracked up to be, but that's a whole nother show, and I'm going to do my best to keep on topic here. Ells claims the reason for this is the lack of supply in the United States, but Marilyn Noble, communications director of the American Grass-Fed Association, strongly disagrees. The Texas Agriculture Commissioner also disagrees. Ranchers want to turn a profit. If grass-fed beef is what's selling, that's what they'll raise. Just look at certified black Angus beef. America started intentionally raising beef cattle with Angus influence, mostly black coats that grade high choice with preference to prime after seeing how it brought a premium in the market. Again, another episode for another time. But I digress. Ranchers are willing to make changes to the way they raise their beef in order to ensure that it sells and that they make money. It's business sense. When confronted with this information, a representative from Chipotle told journalists, the price premium on grass-fed beef in the United States makes it a less viable solution unless we're willing to raise prices. Yet somehow it's more affordable to import Australian beef. Australian grass-fed beef prices rose in the second half of 2014 to a more equivalent price to the American market, making the price difference almost indiscernible. On top of that, Chipotle refuses to release which Australian suppliers it uses, making its environmental impact impossible to determine. 
food with integrity indeed. That information comes from CertifiedAngusBeef.com and CertifiedHumane.org. To take a break from the livestock portion of my rant, let's look at their anti-GMO campaign, which was launched in 2015. I'll make this portion a little more brief because I'm bound to launch into a tirade about how all corn is a GMO, and I'm sorry if you don't like it, but if you're a human who eats corn, you're eating a GMO, and I promise you're fine. Yet again, another episode, another time. Steve Ells announced in April of 2015 that Chipotle was taking steps to remove all GMO products from their restaurants. However, with this statement, they released a little bit of fine print. While their salsa and guacamole would no longer contain genetically modified plants, their cooking oil, most of the vegetable choices, and a myriad of other portions of the burrito creation process would remain GMO included. That's on account of the fact that there are some products that literally could not be GMO free if they tried. Tortillas, corn chips, corn, you name it. Unless you wanted to take a trip to ancient Mexico to find the teosinte plant, which is little more than a glorified seed head and is basically inedible. That information comes from eater.com and maze.uga.edu. I could go on to tell you about how the company released a Hulu series talking about how their competitors use GMO animals, which literally don't exist, claims that Chipotle doesn't use GMOs, they absolutely do, and how they are the pinnacle of eating fresh and local. They're not. I could tell you about how they've had to combat claims of racial discrimination. I could list off incident after incident of food contamination and violation of food safety guidelines outlined by the FDA, but you've listened to me rant for long enough. That information comes from CNBC.com. So, anyways, I don't expect to start an anti-Chipotle uprising, nor do I plan to protest outside of the doors of my local Chipotle. I just don't eat there. That's why. Thanks for listening. God bless America, God bless our farmers and ranchers, and God bless GMOs.